the legal cannabis industry has unlocked generational wealth opportunities across the country. But the industry's regulatory complexities, constant state of change, and speed of evolution drive confusion for entrepreneurs and investors alike. On this podcast, we'll interview the industry leaders who are shaping the future of the legal cannabis industry to help our listeners understand these idiosyncrasies. This is Cannabis Unlocked, hosted by Key Investment Partners. All right, everybody. Well, welcome back to another episode of Cannabis Unlocked here. Um, I'm accompanied here on the show today by one of our distinguished advisory board members, Mara Sheldon. Uh, Mara's been with uh, the advisory board for probably about two years or so now, I, I guess, with Key, and, and we're excited to have her continued involvement here with Key. Uh, Mara is a senior policy advisor for Squire Patent Boggs. Um, and she's been super instrumental to just kind of the key family giving us, you know, regular regulatory updates, um, kind of her views on, on the marketplace and what's going on um, specifically on the regulatory front with regards to federal legalization, safe banking, et cetera. Um, if there's somebody to talk to about rescheduling or, or anything that's going on, Mara is certainly our go-to. So Mara, without further ado, would love for you to, you know, quickly introduce yourself and we can kind of jump right into to the podcast here. Sure. Thank you. Appreciate it. And thanks for having me. Um, as you mentioned, I am a senior policy advisor, Squire Patton Boggs. I advise clients on cannabis policy and work with private sector companies and nonprofits um, on a variety of legislative and regulatory matters that are related to cannabis and hemp. Uh, previously, I worked on Capitol Hill as a senior staffer for several members of Congress, um, also at the state level and served as communications director and spokesperson for now Governor uh, Jared Polis, but it was his first gubernatorial campaign that I worked on. Um, when I worked at the House of Representatives, uh, I worked for the late uh, representative, uh, I should say late and great representative, uh, John Dingell. Uh, he was the chairman of the House Committee on Energy and Commerce. Uh, and that's the committee that oversees FDA and has direct jurisdiction on matters of commerce involving cannabis, CBD, hemp, and related products. Um, I also work um, at Squire on the cannabis initiative team and oftentimes write cannabis policy pieces and guest column. Awesome. So I'm sure everybody kind of tuning into the show could hear why, uh, why Mara has been such a value add to the advisory board here. So, you know, the, the past couple of weeks have been, I'd say, really interesting in the space. Um, you know, we, we've gone for almost two years now without like any major legislation or Kind of and any noise from even the White House on the cannabis industry, you know, we still have the continued movements at the grassroots level um, or at the state level from grassroots movements, but nothing's really been happening. And then all of a sudden, Biden, you know, surprises all of us with his federal pardon and instructing of, you know, potentially rescheduling and having governors look at potential pardons as well. Can you kind of give us a little bit of background on, on what's going on today and, and, you know, maybe the significance behind that? Sure. Yeah. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, the president did announce uh, that he was taking three executive actions to reform cannabis policy. Uh, the first was pardoning, as you mentioned, uh, all federal offenders for simple possession of cannabis. Um, he also urged governors to do the same for state offenders. And he is directing HHS and uh, the U.S. Attorney General to review marijuana's schedule um, as a Schedule One drug and its status on that. So um, currently there, um, 
in the process of working on that. Uh, there is no timeline, although they did say that time is at the essence, um, but they did not set a timeline uh, for review uh, right now. So with regard to scheduling, you know, we, we I think um, in particular, especially in the cannabis space, feel that uh, cannabis should not be a schedule one drug. Um, schedule one drugs, to give you an example, are um, heroin, um, LSD, and ecstasy. So marijuana doesn't really fit into that category very well. Um, you know, if you look at schedule two on down, all the way down to schedule five, um, you know, the substances start to, I would say, diminish a little bit as far as their potency is concerned. So schedule two, uh, for example, would be like Vicodin, uh, cocaine, fentanyl, that's a schedule two, uh, certainly much more potent than cannabis. And then schedule three, um, but Tylenol with codeine, uh, anab anti, um, anabolic uh, steroids um, as well. And then a schedule, then you get into schedule four, which is like your Ambien's, your Xanax. Um, schedule five, uh, you know, typically is like your Robitussin AC, cough mm -hmm. medication, um, things of that nature. So, you know, I would say as far as scheduling is concerned, the higher the number, you know, for the cannabis industry, probably the better. Um, I think that um, it's great to finally be taking a look. I don't think there will be seeing descheduling, but I do think rescheduling is getting a much closer look uh, that's long overdue. So I think that folks are really excited about seeing some final movement on this. Sure. So, so interesting with regards to the different tiers of the schedules there. So it sounds like schedule five is really kind of over the counter type medicines. Um, I'm, I'm actually just not sure. Is alcohol in the schedule at all? I'm not, I, I don't think it is, but I'd have, okay. to do, I'd have to do a closer look at, to that. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I would imagine cannabis would be somewhere in the range of where alcohol is mm -hmm. um, if, it, if it were to be scheduled. So, you know, I, I guess I have so many questions that come to mind when we think about what rescheduling cannabis is, because we've always been moving towards the idea that we're going to get descheduling and, you know, open federal legalization, opening up interstate commerce, all, you know, all that fun stuff. At what point does, let's say, for some user listeners, they'll understand for others, we'll talk about 280E on the tax code, which basically won't allow for any cannabis business to deduct their expenses past cost of goods sold. So giving cannabis businesses a very, very high effective tax rate. Um, it's one of the biggest problems in the industry that we talk about every day. At what point in rescheduling would maybe we take care of the 280E problem? You know, that's a really good question. Um, I think that that is still to be determined. You know, it's gonna, we're gonna need to see where things end up as far as the you know, scheduling list is concerned. But you know, basically what I just shared with you, the fact that um, you know, you've got drugs that are very high potency in a schedule two and three, much more so than cannabis is something uh, that we need to be paying attention to. Um, sure. Long overdue. And you know, I think that the, it still needs to be evaluated. And I think the White House is gonna you know, try to do a very thorough job in evaluating it or reevaluating it, if you will. Absolutely. And I, I would I would say <laughs> you probably have one of the hardest jobs in the world, given that you are trying to pin the tail on the politician all the time to try to understand what what they're going to do or what their next move is or what that looks like. So 
you know, with that being said, I, I understand that, you know, all these questions are, are answered with you know, somewhat of a grain of salt. But, you know, you, you mentioned that the White House said they want to move more quickly on this. Now, in politician layman's terms, does that mean quickly within the next six months, within the next two years? Where, where would you guess? I mean, I think they've already gotten started, you know, okay. so um, starting to lay that groundwork and do some outreach and, um, you know, talk to experts. So I think that they are already starting that process. And my understanding is that while there is no time frame schedule of, you know, a deadline when this needs to be done, they are going to be working very feverishly to get this done because of the fact that they know that it's long overdue. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. So, you know, kind of taking a step back to one of my initial comments there, given that now rescheduling is, is on the table, do you think that takes away or lengthens the timeline ultimately to a federal, you know, full legalization? You know, full legalization, I think, um, is definitely, you know, going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen in the next six months or probably even in the next year. I think that incrementally, there are other things that will take precedence, like safe banking or the Climate Act. Uh, there's different pieces of federal legislation that have been moving, that have been voted on already, that stand a, a probably a better chance to do things more incrementally. Um, so, you know, I think that is where we're looking right now. And, you know, in particular, the two I just mentioned, you know, are top of mind, especially going into the lame duck session after the election. Um, you know, safe banking is now passed uh, seven times in the yep. House. It has not, you know, had the opportunity to have a vote yet in the Senate. Um, there are three vehicles for that to happen. You know, uh, one would be an omnibus or a minibus, must pass bill. Um, another would be potentially where there's been a lot of discussion called Safe Plus, um, and that would be maybe a standalone. Um, so that would be the Perlmutter Bill of Safe Banking, and then plus potentially some additional um, issues to get addressed. Um, and then I would say, you know, Congressman Perlmutter does also have uh, Safe Banking in the National Defense Authorization Act, another must pass bill by the end of the year. Um, as an amendment. It's in the House version. So there are potentially three vehicles to, you know, get safe thinking across the finish line. Um, you know, and then there's the climax, which is very interesting and sort of augments. R real quick, Mara, before jumping to the climax, because there's, I bet there's a lot of user or listeners that, you know, are very familiar with the climax or the safe, but can you just in, in layman's terms, explain what the safe does, what the climax would do for our listeners? So sure, so let me start with SAFE. So the SAFE Banking Act, which stands for Safe and Fair Enforcement, it would explicitly prohibit um, federal regulators from handing down penalties on banks who serve legitimate businesses, meaning that they could operate with safer, more trustworthy financial practices rather than relying entirely on cash. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the primary benefits of the bill is that it allows entirely legal and legitimate businesses to access important financial services like checking accounts. Sure. Uh, and uh, it'll also make it easier for them to accept alternative forms of payment like credit cards or debit cards. Mm -hmm. So um, it also will protect banks and financial institutions who do choose to service cannabis related businesses operating within their state's legal and regulatory frameworks. 
because cannabis is still listed as a schedule one drug by US you know, uh, Drug Enforcement Agency, banks could potentially face penalties right now from federal regulators for serving these legitimate businesses that have legalized use for cannabis. Right. So, um, you know, and as a result, many cannabis related businesses have had to resort, you know, as I've mentioned, to this cash only model, it leaves them very susceptible to theft, uh, fraud, and um, unfortunately, violent crime. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, we've been sitting around waiting for safe for a long time, just here at key and, and the rest of the industry and for everybody else's benefit, you know, not only does it normalize a lot of the banking issues that the cannabis industry has um, today, you know, from our perspective, we deal with banking issues all the time. We have clients who are unable to invest alongside us easily because they have assets that are with a custodian who won't um, allow them to touch cannabis. We have institutions looking at the space that have decided to sit on the sidelines. So we think that from a, even an investment standpoint, um, that safe banking will hopefully widen the range of types of folks who are able to invest in the asset class to actually give them an opportunity to put some capital to work. I, I would say all in, I would expect that safe banking will um, reduce the cost of capital for cannabis related businesses. So it's something that that is finally feels as close as it's ever had of having a chance at passing. So, you know, we're, we're really rooting for this one this year, I think. Yes, I think we all are for sure. Um, and then, you know, I'm happy to jump into, you know, the CLIMACT, uh, mm -hmm. CLIMACT stands for the Capital Lending and Investment for Marijuana Businesses. Um, it's a bill that was introduced this summer, and uh, basically it'll allow state legal American cannabis companies, including small, minority, and veteran-owned businesses, the ability to access lending and investment opportunities that are available to other regulated industries. So, it offers protections to financial lenders uh, and government agencies that are tasked with promoting economic growth. Um, and it does have three, I would like to, if you give me a moment and indulge me, uh, three important components in the bill. Mm -hmm. um, first, it, it permits public agencies to provide financial support to the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, so if it were to pass, for example, um, you'd have the Small Business Administration supporting the cannabis industry, which would be great. Um, and, and just out of curiosity, when you talk about these, um, you know, benefits to the bill, mm -hmm. I, I'm wondering, is there a lot of overlap between this and SAFE, or do you, do you view these as mutually exclusive? I think they're complementary to each other. I think, okay. you know, um, in particular, that, that CLIMB would, would help augment um, SAFE. So married together, they'd be great. Sure. So it, it, it's very interesting to, you know, to um, to think about them both as separate. Um, I think they sort of go hand in hand. OK. Um, the other uh, there, you know, two other things to highlight are that the Act provides protective ser services to um, providers looking to provide services to state legal cannabis uh, industry. And, you know, some examples include like law firms. Um, which I'm a part of, and uh, accounting firms, and also, you know, investment banks. Um, the third is that it would provide access to public capital markets in the U.S., which is also something unique and different from SAFE. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it would really remove a major barrier by allowing the U.S. capital markets to complement the Canadian capital markets and allow those players to provide those services 
to the industry. Um, right. It's a pretty major game changer. Um, you know, it's, it, it would be weird to think that a company can access, you know, an IPO through the NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange, but not have access to traditional banking still. Yeah. Yeah. I, so if, if you, yeah, I totally agree. So if you, if you had to put one in front of the other from an order of operations perspective, would you say it's pun intended, I guess, safe to say that safe goes first and then the climact? Well, safe has already had, you know, uh, safe has kind of got the votes there, you know, it's already yeah. passed seven times in the house as mentioned. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there are, 42 bipartisan co-sponsors, uh, 31 Democrats, nine Republicans, and two independent um, members of the U.S. Senate who are co-sponsoring SAFE right now. So, you know, I think those votes are there. Um, awesome. So you think high, a high likelihood, huh? Yeah, I, I really do. Um, you know, CLIMB is a newer bill. So, you know, I think it, it it's still being talked about a lot. But as I mentioned, I think that the talk is that it does augment and go very well with SAFE. So we'll see. I mean, it wouldn't be far-fetched that, you know, it ends up potentially as part of that SAFE plus, but, right. it, you know, only time will tell. Time time will definitely tell. So, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, what's most likely and what I think is a path towards incremental reform, right? SAFE maybe sprinkle on kind or, or sorry, climb, and then get those two done rescheduling at some point in the next year. And then, and then ultimately federal legalization, you know, our, our point of view has been that let's just fast forward and daydream a little bit that federal legalization is likely going to look somewhat like what the alcohol industry is, right. You know, States have really taken it on their own accord to legalize cannabis on their own. They've kind of come up with their own regulatory structures, et cetera. We, we don't think the states are going to be eager to give up the way that they've decided to legalize. So, you know, akin to, you know, going to Utah where, every, you know, liquor stores are state run and you have to have like a perfectly one ounce measured shot. And then you can go next door to Nevada and buy a fifth of vodka at a gas station. We think that alcohol or sorry, that t- or cannabis is going to look largely the same, you know, very, very, you know, very widely between the states, likely how it's already being legalized today. What's your view on ultimately how legalization plays out? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because there is a bill called the Prepare Act in the House um, that has been introduced that would really prepare federal government for legalization. Hasn't been introduced yet in the Senate. Uh, I think that's forthcoming uh, probably, if not in the lame duck, soon enough. But um, there are plans already being made to prepare for legalization. <laughs> okay. So so do you think it'll be regulated somewhat like that? Or have you guys not had a chance to, to see the bill yet? No, I mean, I think that, that it is certainly a good start. Uh, it's hard to know, uh, you know, out of the gate, how it's going to look, what it's going to look like. And, you know, a lot of times it's, you don't know what you don't know yet. So yep. we're trying, I think, to navigate and figure that out a little bit better and clearer. I think that, you know, once SAFE gets passed, CLIMB gets passed, you know, you've got, um, you know, some of these moving parts. We've got the the president's, um, you know, executive actions in motion. And then, you know, moving forward, we'll see how scheduling goes. 
I think then we'll be able to have, you know, a little bit clearer picture on mm-hmm. it. It's hard to kind of, you know, got the crystal ball in front of you going, okay, what is this going to look like? But I think that um, there are members of Congress who are paying close attention and knowing that legalization is potentially, you know, a reality sooner than later. So let's prepare for it. Wow. That's it's so exciting just to hear all that. And, you know, with kind of coming on the back of, of all this positive momentum that we've had, mm-hmm. we're now starting to see a lot of strategics who I would say have been sitting on the sidelines start to make some pretty significant announcements, right? So you've got Canopy really pushing forward um, their move into the United States via acquisition. Um, you've got the MLB announcing a very major partnership with Charlotte's Web on the CVD side of things. You've got Uber Eats in Canada announcing partnerships for um, delivering cannabis. You know, we, we've always been of the mind that when the writing becomes less opaque on the walls, the strategics are going to start to follow through and execute on their plans. Would you say it's fair to start to expect to see more headlines from strategics entering the asset class in, in one way or another over the next, you know, tomorrow to six plus months or whatever? Yeah, I definitely do. You know, uh, recreational cannabis could be illegal in half the country if the handful of states uh, that that have it on the ballot for this November um, are able to pass it. You know, it's Arkansas, Maryland, Missouri, North and South Dakota. All five of them have measures on their ballot this fall. Um, They could potentially join 19 states and the District of Columbia with recreational use. And incredible. It is. And and currently, you know, 48 states allow some kind of cannabis use, whether it's uh, medicinal or, you know, low levels of THC or, you know, recreational use. So um, it'll be really interesting to see how that unfolds after the election. And then, you know, as you mentioned, I certainly could see more and more of the strategics out there doing some really interesting creative stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, uh, on you know, writing the uh, tailwinds here that we have in our sales now and, and with a lot of what you just discussed, you know, something that gets me most excited right now is just the capital markets protections, just taking off some of the regulatory handcuffs that um, we've grown accustomed to kind of wearing with, with regards to operating in the industry. Um, coming up on time here, so I just want to leave you with one final question. What gets you most excited about the industry kind of as, as things stand today? It's evolution. You know, candidly, I've you know been in this for a long time, early on in the process, and watching how this has evolved. You know, Colorado just celebrated 10 years of recreational legalization in Colorado, and even longer uh, with medicinal. The state has a lot of really good regulatory um, you know things in place uh, to ensure you know that use is is being done correctly in the right way. Um, you know, Governor Polis has been incredibly supportive of the industry, um, has led several letters on safe banking uh, to leadership in in Congress. Our senators have been incredibly supportive as well as the congressional delegation. So I think it's just a matter of time and watching this evolution and watching this industry grow and change uh, has really been exciting and to be, you know, there early on in this process, for a brand new industry that has emerged and taken off the way it has and professionalized at that, mm-hmm. I have to say I find incredibly exciting every day. 
Yeah, well, we're certainly at the forefront of, I think, something that that's about to break out in a big way. So thank you so much, Mara, for, for all your help, you know, on, on the advisory board and for joining the podcast and for all the great work you do um, as a policy advisor as well. Um, should anybody need to reach out to you, feel free to reach out to me or I'm sure you can look look up Mara um, as well on, on our website and, and, and find a way to get in touch with her here. But thank you again so much for your time on the show and, and looking forward to see how things play out over the next couple months here will be really interesting. Yes, definitely. You and me both. Thanks. All for right. Thank you. Bye-bye.